And we're back. So, the experiment goes on. Experiment podcast number, was it 107 now? 108? Yeah, either one of those sounds right to me. 109. <laughs> okay. 100th episode. Cage, 1989. Uh, God, oh, it's a Reb Brown? Dude, Reb Brown's the guy from that Space Mutiny movie. And the Mystery Science Theatre one, oh, when like shit, they're yeah. driving around in his little car, and his oh, yeah, Red Brown is the king of bad movies, oh, man. Gonna be awesome. Red Brown might be in um, Robo War. Remember Robo War, which is like the Predator ripoff, like yeah. the Italian Predator, yeah, where they yeah, just yeah. tried to rip off as much Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff as they could, and he throw, oh, throws throws like. Oh my God, Robo War was such a great piece of shit. Yeah. So we've got Red Brown and Lou Frick. No, okay, okay. Oh, I'm, shit, I'm more up for this now. I'm much more up for this now. I'm not going to make fun of the way Red Brown talks. I'm not an ass. I'm not an ass. I think. But that's like the the premise of this makes like it's it's like one of the things one of the one of the only things he's done with you try and explain that away. I don't know how well they're gonna handle that, but okay, let's go with this premise. A GI in Vietnam saves his buddy's life, but in the process is shot in the head. The injury results in brain damage to the point where he basically where he basically has a child's brain in a brackets very large close brackets man's body. When they get out of the army, the two open up a bar together, but some local gangsters make things tough for them after they refuse to take part in a brutal cage matches. Why is that in quotes? Is it metaphorical cage? <laughs> uh, we we'll fight his battle to the point of serious injury and or death. A battle to the end, or till someone gets an owie, and and then we'll call in a doctor. <laughs> yes, this this sounds fantastic. This is gonna be great. Okay, so 1989. This is the uh, the end of the night, the end of the eighties. This is the end of Reagan because Reagan's uh, was in office till January 1989. So this is the end of the Reaganist action hero. So in theory. Movies should get more tame after this. Was it Bush who took over after Reagan? Yes. Bush Bush. Preceded by, succeeded by, yeah, George H. W. Which one could be Bush? <laughs> Although looking back on George W. doesn't it doesn't seem like wistful and like ah, oh, remember what we thought was bad. Back it's then? fucking crazy, isn't it? But here we are. Right, so let's watch this movie about this this uh, man child with a ball in his head. Huzzah! Knock yourself. I think this is a good idea to keep the music keep playing the, over this so they can. End credits. Because these movies always have these. Fu- they don't do this anymore, man. Like it, like it didn't even like it didn't stop till like the early two thousands as well. Remember, like you used to put Will Smith in a movie just so you could have him write the rap. I like you that you've I mean? re- you've made this whole spiel ignoring the fact that we basically sit together and listen to love songs. All day. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do in our spare time. Eighties movie love songs. Eighties movie so, love songs. You know. So it's heterosexual completely. <laughs> just listen. Uh, to, just listen to how heterosexual that song is. Listen to it. It's a very heterosexual movie. That's that's a that's. This, this was a between. song written about a movie about two guys that were just pals. Yeah, I've always said that I'm the Luther Rigno to your Reb Brown. <laughs> oh, let me be Reb Brown. 
I don't want to be Red Brown. I don't want to be Red Brown. I've got a lot of time for Red Brown. He's terrible, but he got a lot of work. He's, he's... He must have been like the nicest guy. He's keep getting all these bookings. He got Lou Ferrigno and obviously Danny Trio as well. He was, he was there. Just to start off before we get into this, I'll make official notice of this. Reb Brown was the first Captain America. All right, yeah. so that's something. You know what I mean? He he can dine out on that story for a while. He cast him in some Captain America movies sometimes. I want to see him in the next Captain America movie just pop up. Like as they did them, um, did that in the uh, Avengers? Like one of the old actors from the Hulk. Reb like, Brown in the first Captain America movie. Oh really? Yeah, he's just like random soldier number one. Oh okay, just so a nice little I just to him. totally fucking ignored that. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, I don't think I was aware on, of Red yeah, Brown. When no, I saw Captain not a lot of people are, but fuck. That, that first Captain America movie when it's just like the Captain America helmet is like a bike, bike helmet, like an old school big foamy bike helmet with like the wings painted on. Fucking terrible, mate. Good stuff. Really good, terrible stuff. But anyway, this movie, right? Speaking okay. of good, terrible stuff, I was just saying before, this was like we've watched a lot of shit coming into this. And I was prepared to be kinder to it than I was to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it's delivered. Like, I had low expectations coming in, and it was. Mm. It actually made my emotions do things, which none of these have done so far, <laughs> aside from anger and hilarity. It didn't touch me emotionally as it did you, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't actively rooted against it. It had a lot of very strange problems. They've got some weird <laughs> shit happened in it, and well, let's, let's, we'll discuss yeah. most of it as we go along. So what what happens in this movie, man? It started with um, a war scene, which was supposedly set... I thought this was a good touch. I had to actually re-Google this again. Um, it said um, uh, Vietnam in, like... Yeah, I forget the years it was in. That was bad bad writing on my part. But um, it said, like, Viet and Nam were separate there words. There space in there. Yeah, because um, when I was actually in Vietnam... We went on that. Uh, Which she has not mentioned once. No, I have not mentioned once. Every time a Vietnam War thing comes I up, I can at least New York. I was there. Um, the guy was saying that originally the country was like um, the Viet people were like um, the people who lived there originally, and Nam was just the the name of what land was. So Vietnam became like the name of the country. Well, there you go. So that was quite a nice little. I think that was what they called it back in the time when the war was happening as well. So Vietnam. But I thought that was a good touch, but anyway, it, well, it launches di- in. It says it's in Vietnam, but then it launches into some uh, Californian National Park where some guys are playing a <laughs> Vietnam War um, it's this, reenactment. I'm sure it's the same stretch of land we've seen in all these movies. <laughs> like that one. fucking Gary Busey when he was driving that weird tank around and it was just like, that fucking <laughs> field by someone's house. <laughs> I think that's like a, everyone could pay money to just record a film in this one field <laughs> it looks it's got longish yeah, grass it looks a bit there. like Vietnam it's the same reason like that um, that Chinatown you see in this is the same stretch of Chinatown you see in all these low rated movies and some of the ones that don't really care like it's the exact same bit in Crank it's like that one block of Chinatown in LA that they can film in for some reason without having to pay anybody I'd You'll love to see them do that like there. apply that logic to Liverpool and just have that one street that's like you have that the archway and then you walk past it and it's just you're in more cleanse again. So anyway, it it sort of we veered off a bit there, but um, I was going to ask him veering off even more. So what's uh, Viet Cong then? The Vietnamese. Um, what was the Cong part? They had the South and the North. The North were the communists, and the the South were the ones who were allied with America. Okay. So like the Americans were. So the Viet Cong were like the the North side basically. 
All right, so um, this is some, some interesting stuff. Well, I hear the internet. Yeah, I mean, pretty sure it's all Google. I'm pretty sure you Google it and find out that I'm wrong. <laughs> thing. I, I'm like basing this on like a trip I took a year ago, so don't quote me on all, any of this. But um, it basically opens to Lou Ferrigno and uh, Guile from Street Fighter <laughs> are um, fighting the Vietnam War. <laughs> and for some reason, ignoring the fact that it's like just um, some sort of white American dudes in long grass and some whatever people from an Asian country that Hollywood could pay to mm-hmm. wear pointed hats <laughs> and pretend to be Viet Cong for a while um, basically they, they do it hand to hand which I don't think happened a lot in the Vietnam War I think it was mostly if atrocity it did, and fire if it did it was when they were dropping out of trees or sneaking up behind them it wasn't out in the middle of the yeah. fucking field so I mean, they, they like they charge they they charge they have guns but they charge Lou fucking Ferrigno <laughs> with their bare hands and think that's gonna somehow lead to a victory but anyway, Lou Ferrigno kicks the shit out of him. And, it, and, and Red Brown literally kicks the shit out of him because he's doing karate in the middle of this <laughs> Vietnam War. <laughs> choreographed karate. He does a lot of karate. Does, does Red Brown, despite not knowing any karate. He can't even hold a gun properly. <laughs> <laughs> Ignoring the, the weird setting of like, the Californian long grass that it's set in, um, just the, you kind of get into it because it's, it's sort of faithfully done Vietnam War story. It's like uh, all POV shots and it's very quite like claustrophobic even though it's you can literally see the horizon he's but. really overselling this yeah <laughs> it's not a good it's you, there are better vietnam war films like do you ever hear full metal jacket that's a <laughs> that's a good one but um it's not full metal jacket but it's it, he does w- the best he can with the material he's got in front of him you gotta give that to him but uh, anyway it uh it feels quite hectic and then a helicopter sort of says oh we're gonna pick everyone up and lou Ferrigno heroically lifts a guy out uh, saves him, comes back for his mate, but the helicopter takes off, and he goes to grab Guile's hand, and you know, he gets shot in the head, and it's one of the best gore effects I've ever seen in a movie. It's it's a, it looks like someone opening a box of wine. Lou and Ferrigno <laughs> shot in the head while holding this dude, still holds on, and to holds him. on to him, yeah. Yeah. and then the blood just pours out of him like a tap. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, like a box of wine just being opened. And I really think they should market these Lou Ferrigno head wine boxes just from this one scene. Because would, they would sell like hotcakes to me and potentially to the other three people that still uh, remember this movie. So this is like, it gets quick enough into the premise, which I appreciate. But what's weird about this whole movie is like, there's not really any point in it where they explain that Lou Ferrigno is now a bit slow because of this. They it's didn't explain just, it, but I kind of like that. That's, yeah, that's, he just that's acts, showing, not telling. Yeah, he just you know, acts it out. Which storytelling. I think it's just because I've watched so much of this tat over the years. I'm used to like hitting the points of the bad movie. Although, and we skip over a lot of them in speaking this. Speaking of skipping over stuff, we missed the whole hospital scene with, or during the opening credits. Oh god, uh, yeah, that was weird. Lou Ferrigno and Guile are like both been injured in this in this war that happened. I don't know which one, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Lou Ferrigno's face is bandaged. He's in a coma. And Guile gets up because he's only got an arm wound and he just puts his hand on his shoulder, smiles lovingly, gets back into bed and puts the arm behind his head. <laughs> and this love song is playing, the one that you heard that me and Liam don't always listen to heterosexually. Um, which you, No, well, you always listen to heterosexually. Always not gay, not gay, not gay. But, um, no homo. But Guile's just sitting, lying back with his arm behind his head, like going, all satisfied, like, did, did, did you just fuck <laughs> unconscious Lou Ferrigno? Do you know how angry he's gonna be when he gets up? It was very weird. It was yeah, just, it, it it tonally that was weird. And then they start doing like the rehabilitation scenes as well. Like he's gonna learn how to walk again. It's like, well, he got yeah. shot in the head. I, I mean, why can't he walk? Hi. 
the brain's a complicated muscle you know you shoot a bit of it then bits of it bits of your body start but even again this is like a, a shit straight to tape movie like why did they put that scene in there like it's uh, like another of the problems think, this movie had like it just when followed these... a lot of really random threads like it I... follows getting into the car driving the car turning the corner in the car yeah I don't think like when he started making it he was thinking like this is gonna go straight to DVD <laughs> so we can rush some stuff I think he genuinely well meaningly wanted to make like a thing that showed realistically what would happen to someone who was shot in the head and maybe was a bit messed up from it as you would be if you were shot in the head and wanted to show that so that's like coming back to what you said before about they don't tell you explicitly oh he's got mental problems they basically just they show you him rehabilitating and then they show you him a bit later on when he's you know okay it gives again. the audience a bit of credits which you know rips that credit away later on as you said with the, some of the camera choices but um, but it, it, it cuts from Vietnam to Chinatown and they immediately cut to it with a gong sound gong. effect. <laughs> it's like... I mean, you can look past a lot of stuff, but that's like, you cringeworthy... The thing is, though, like, all the shit we've seen, especially with that very rough patch of uh, Charles Bronson there, like, <laughs> yeah. this wasn't that bad. Yeah. In terms of racist if, if against anything, the Asians, compared this to was not Charles that bad. Bronson, this was tasteful. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Even, great. It wasn't you know, bad. It would still make a lot of people very angry. Rightfully so, but you know, not compared to Bronson. Uh, so it cuts to um, a guy walking to this place in Chinatown that's got a cage, and they're having cage fights in there, and it's got some bullhorn-looking motherfuckers just yelling, <laughs> yelling. Yeah, it's stuff. just got some pimps outside, and then just a bunch of like, it's just working-class Asian guys just watching <laughs> this cage fight on the lunch break or something. It's all in the middle of the day as well. They couldn't afford lights for this because they the do cut the to LA, and they very they're not shy about showing all the smog so it looks like it's darkness <laughs> I think that was just because they were shooting day for night and they just put weird filters over it, it was, again it weird choices but they they, um, they didn't have like the gritty look that you'd expect this movie to have either as well it, it, it kind of like even like there was a scene in there where they got the cleanest in to brush over if you, you if you look come into this affecting a red brown Lou Ferrigno movie <laughs> start featuring Danny Trio I'm just be, saying like the, the tone was very peculiar because yeah. it, like the there scenery didn't really match with the characters shit. really fucked it up but, but anyway there's um, someone in the in the crowd who is you know not an undercover reporter at all despite wearing oh, uh, yeah, a yeah. shitty undercover reporter Halloween costume complete with <laughs> trench coat and uh Philip Marlowe hat just you know, taking pictures with a giant camera <laughs> on her belt thing. on her belt like Inspector Gadget <laughs> just like this huge fucking camera pointing out there like, is, is that a, a Canon 34XL on your waist are you just happy to see me <laughs> <laughs> but she apparently she gets away with it you know, walks out past all oh these yeah gangsters. okay you, you crack on this while I just explain this to them right so uh, we, we, we're just calling her fucking plucky reporter girl because of course there's a plucky she's reporter not girl name. character she's the only woman no in the plot in and she doesn't really give and a name she, really. uh, she's getting some good close up action of this and which no one seems to be asked about because it's very clear there's a camera on this girl's waist <laughs> and she gets some blood on her face and that's too much <laughs> that's too like much like the, the dainty run she does as she runs out <laughs> which you know the camera shows for like 5 20 million years as she runs out like all floppily and daintily and stuff but I, I don't know when to bring this up so I'll just bring it up now like none of this is addressed in the movie oh yeah none of it it's not like there's a scene where she like you would put in a scene where she goes to like the you know the office and like the uh, the the 
what's the boss of a editor? The editor. J. 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 Nipson's not there going like, you gotta bring the story in on time, Shin Young Young. Pictures of Spider-Man. Where, where are my pictures? You know, it's like, and then she goes, boss, I'm getting to the bottom of something. You gotta give me some time. Like, yeah, cage fight pictures don't sell papers, plucky reporter girl number one. Yeah. None of that. You don't know why up. she's, is, I don't think it's addressed it's why she's there. It's fucking ridiculous. She's what just, she's taking she's a picture just of. running around taking pictures in fucking hello hello spy costumes you know what I mean <laughs> when you if you if you're one of these people who does watch these movies afterwards you'll get immediately how stupid her oh costume my looks God. it's like um Humphrey Bogart dressed as yeah, Philip yeah. Marlowe costume that she's wearing and like it's uh, we just move on from that so you just go okay yeah I'll put her that in the back of my head yeah. that's gonna come back later obviously because obviously this is the kind of movie that sets things up for payoffs later on Carry on, man. Um, it Coming cuts back to, to that point, um, Lou Ferrigno and Guile are like hanging out. They're pals now, and they own a bar, and they just them just having fun. The uh, boys. Lou Ferrigno's a really nice dude, girl. but he's you know a bit. It's, it's saying a he's, bit simple. That's okay, because that's what the character is. He's he's, you know, he's Lenny, you know. I don't want to say he's... I don't want to say he's mentally handicapped because he's just he's taking a bullet uh, in the head. That's not just... a handicap. That's a another thing. That's a. You know, it's a her- well, they, an atrocity. They show his uh, his mental capacity as being slow. That was very PCD worded. Well done, Liam. Pat yeah. on the back. They show that as as via him playing uh, video games. And he's nice to everyone. He's like, oh, hi, how's it going? Nice. And everyone's and like, like, everyone's like, like yeah, it's Billy. It's our buddy. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get that from other. This guy's got a, a brain injury that stulted his, his uh, maturity. You know? They show it, don't tell it. It's a, it's good, it's good storytelling. This bit, this bit for a movie that has characters stuff, that do nothing. The stuff with Lou Ferrigno was good storytelling. The stuff with Plucky Reporter Girl was fucking dog shit. I'll agree with you on that. Well, Red Brown and him so much. So is this where the uh, the yeah, youths the, come in? Eighties tops. Eighties <laughs> tops. The shabbily dressed in punk clothes, wearing fingerless gloves. <laughs> Inexplicably oh, knowing guys, kung fu. They do not listen to Bay Area punk. I can tell by looking at them they don't, but they're kind of <laughs> trying to dress like they do. The neckerchiefs and the, like fingerless gloves and like spikes. Uh, Ryan, I love it. You know, we always talk about doing this uh, uh, Southern dandy party. We all dressing like white suits <laughs> and drink mint chillups. I'd love to do a counter one of just doing eighties tufts. So we just dressing like plaid with fingerless gloves and headbands and just walk through the streets menacing. And we just harass women. <laughs> Just hey, harass people oh, hey, in a really oh, cartoonishly yeah. evil way. <laughs> so they come in. Oh, well, the um, the the uh, the other ethnics from the fight are there because, of course, we're gonna have to have the Italians in there. I'm pretty sure they're Italian. They look Italian. They yeah, look vaguely. They're, they're attached to a mafia. They mention like yeah. Later so on. they're in the bar as well because they've uh, lost a lot of money in the cage in fights. the cage fights. And the the guy oh, who is by the way the boss from Die Hard, the first one. Uh, it goes like, oh, it's all right. You've lost all this money in my underground f- death matches. Just uh, you know, pay me back whenever. And, yeah. and then they go, oh, cheers, nice one. And they go off to have a bevy and talk about how they're going to do this. And this is where they discover. Yeah, uh, the 80s toughs basically uh, pick on uh, Guile, uh, who's like, you know, what do you want to drink? And the 80s toughs are all Mexican, and they make that abundantly clear as they go through because they do cartoonishly bad Mexican accents yeah, yeah. and ask for a shot of tequila while they're at the bar and um, they basically get way too Mexican for these white people <laughs> so like 
uh, Guile just jumps over so the bar and starts that, handling yeah. shit that's sonic the, booming people through walls Matt's definition of getting way too Mexican is when that guy slaps a woman he, oh like, yeah he, oh yeah I forgot about that actually yeah. he backhands her yeah he, he starts hassling the customers yeah. and then backhands the what you also forgot about is like he, uh, he he puts a hand across the bar and Red Brown grabs it and you get a nice two second shot of this tattoo on his wrist oh yeah which yeah. was smart film watches watching this in a film go oh that's gonna come up later I'll pop that in the back of my head along with Plucky Reporter because this is all connected somehow probably I don't know <laughs> but we'll carry on yeah, so a fight, fight scene, scene. Uh, Guile gets a bit overcome with people so Lou Ferrigno just sort of gets angry because ah it's my buddy and just jumps in and fucking smashes the fuck out of these people tackles them it's, in that yeah, classic shit he's no uh, padding on the floor kind of way <laughs> where it's like these poor stunt guys just getting the shit knocked out at least them. one stunt man was crippled oh god if not sorely concussed yeah, yeah. And, a, and, oh by the way the, the fight scenes in this movie are terrible red brown red brown oh, fight scenes god if you've them. never seen a red brown movie <laughs> The, that just one, watch Iron Fist Robo know? War <laughs> Robo War just yeah, I got, know, Iron Fist people give a lot of shit to because but... it's shit <laughs> it's uh, fucking terrible I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and talk about this yeah, again it's a bad we've fucking series I like but, Iron Fist oh my Liam god there like are some Fist. fucking hammy throws and some like weird turn around bicycle kicks it's just bad yeah. it's just bad fighting it's like if you did that shit to anyone in MMA did like a turn around bicycle kick did you sort of walk around and then punch you in the head it's not like, no, that's anyone in life it's not it? impressive but it gets results <laughs> it's just really bad it's like this whole like swooping motion things that looks good on camera but it doesn't really look good in camera it just looks weird now that we're used to seeing like proper fights action choreography yeah anyway, the, garbage this fight scene's pretty shit but it sets up the fact that uh Lou Frigno and Guile are real tough they've customers been, and they've been talent scouted now and by the, 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 the Italian mafioso. dudes have seen them and said oh these guys will get out of our debt we'll just double down and throw more people in cage fights so they ask they ask Guile and Guile's like uh, no Sonic boom pretty <laughs> much Guile's like no I don't want to do it and he's like what about your buddy there it's like oh no, I, you know, I speak for him and no he doesn't want to do it so they corner Lou Frigno outside and yeah. like oh you're great you're wonderful you're really good at this and I'm thinking don't fucking bully the bully the poor fucking but, guy uh, he's been shot in the head and raped right. by Guile that's not a, <laughs> that's not a thing you want to but like him. they get him outside and like oh do you want to make some money fighting for us and the guy's like nah not really and it's like but there's you know you'd be good at it you're a tough dude do you not want to have a go and he goes ah oh, my mate makes all my decisions for me and like they don't know this guy's a bit slow he's just got speech impediments and yeah. he says like oh the dude makes the decisions for me you wouldn't think oh this guy's got a bullet in his head and has the mental age of a child they're just doing it through the hard cell I can't remember what happens next what happens next uh, oh yeah um, the Italian dudes go back to their room and they start talking about oh we're going to get out of, out of debt and did they some, take Frigno with them some, no some dudes show up and menace oh, them oh right yeah yeah and like they punch one the like the the mouthy Italian dude and just sort of pin him down to a chair and like dude you can't gotta he's, give us our money like the the mouthy one uh, there's, there's, there's the well, boss uh, and there's the uh, the goon there's the, yeah, the yeah boss and goon I didn't they the, the boss's name is Tony and the goon's name is Mario so you know that's kind of proves they're quite Italian but uh <laughs> as new boss, boss and Henchwell is writing this down mm-hmm. it's like the the boss is pinned down in the chair and they're like oh you better give us our money and it's like we've got 10 days left 
dickhead and they're like no give us our money now well I can't do it while I'm pinned in this chair it's all very <laughs> a thing and then Mario comes back or Goon comes back he's like what the fuck walks in just decks one of them and like they all start fighting and they, they'd pinned fucking Tony down in a chair with a baseball bat in his hand his bash, like, you know, and you think like that's a that that's wasn't a, established but it was a there bad tactical decision if you're gonna menace somebody it's like I'm gonna give you a baseball bat now you better give us our money punk <laughs> So like three tables got broken in that fight oh, as yeah. well. Like I think they spent all their budget on table breaking in the first ten minutes <laughs> of this movie. So a lot of tables get broken. So they kind of established that the uh, boss and hench are in like a bit of financial trouble. So they need to get some money quick. And then it cuts back to Frigno and Guile. Um, they're talking about like uh, the barmaid who got slapped, and like hope she's okay. And I was just thinking. After all these eighties bar fights, who pays for the medical bills? <laughs> I mean, I know it's it's America with your barbaric fucking medical system where you've got to pay for it. Like, who's footing the bill for that? That's like there's no one. They're walking it off because the street toughs. Like, so, like, there's a bunch of street toughs with broken legs in your bar. <laughs> Someone somewhere's got to like there's, there's there's enough fucking lawyers in America. Someone's got to grab them. Ah, oh, you got beaten up in that bar. They come with me. Let's make some money out of it. But you never see yeah, these for people. days. So anyway. Uh, Tony and uh, Boston Hench, Tony and Mario, and they go. They go to uh, hilariously racist Mexican dudes and like. So you, we saw you get your asses kicked. How would you like to burn down that bar to, <laughs> to force these two people to fight for us? But like, the the boss goes like, "We'll pay you to do it. A couple hundred now and then some more later." There's no sense of currency in it. It's a yeah. utopian alternative universe where they live in, where it's just like have some money. I, yeah. And I've said this before as well, like, even when they're at the fights betting on stuff, like, people just throw wads of cash. A couple of thousand. It's just, like, dirty, like, photocopy money. Like, there's, there's there's no actual, like, money being made in this business. I don't see why they're all so adamant about getting it. It's just, like, fucking dead. Oh, I'm not paying you, you know? They'll be like, oh, well, we'll take you to court, because that's apparently the world that this movie's set in. I mean, the lawyers have nowhere, are nowhere near this movie. I think we see cops in the last, like, two minutes of it. Yeah, uh, two pays the medical bills. Yeah, so they say burn down this bar to make some people fight for us, and they're like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. But I was just thinking, why are they going to some people they saw get their asses kicked, saying commit some more felonies on our behalf, so we can get some people to fight for us to commit more felonies? Why not just go to a fucking boxing gym, <laughs> find the biggest dude you can find in there, give him a wad, one of your wads of money, and say fight for us. He's fucking gonna do it. He's you know. Just go find the, the young. And if he doesn't do it, find the next biggest, and so on. Just go and find the angry young man punching his punching bag. I mean, at least you know that guy is fucking disciplined. If you find some guys who win a bar fight and try and pay them to fight for you, they've won a bar fight. They haven't <laughs> won a fucking. They could they could have just been really angry and drunk that day. They could have been on coke. You know, you don't know that. It's the eighties. You knew what cocaine was. <laughs> Yeah, so the the Mexican dudes go to the bar while the barmaid's still in there, like whistling nonchalantly, and they start lighting it up, and then oh, they bolt off that bitch. Yeah, yeah. while she's in there, you can hear her screaming, and the guy's like, "Yes, yes!" Yeah. Like he's just coming. <laughs> and it's like the eighties could not do uh, nuanced villains. It was just no, no cartoonish evil. <laughs> Uh, we burnt a woman to <laughs> death in their place of business. Yes, this gets me rock hard. This is again uh, the big beef I have with this movie. Like, the Italians are kind of playing the roles of what the antagonist, the of what the protagonist would be in any normal movie. It's like you have X amount of they're they're against the ticking clock, which is like you know the hero's prerogative to solve and then get to conclusion at the end. And like, 
the the good guys in this are just here to be follies to the bad guys who are there to be victims of the bad guys so yeah. who's the real bad guys in this situation i think we are for watching <laughs> it's just again it's one of the many many things it does not explain properly uh, so yeah it cuts back to plucky reporter girl Oh, plus she's wearing a again. bright blue neon eighties uh, bodysuit, eighties like pants, uh, pants suits, and, and, she and just high heels. Clips and clops her way into this like hidden compound. Climbing, climbing up a, a stair, yeah. uh, a fire pulls escape. down a fire escape yeah. with a really greasy in like, the middle of the day rickety hinge. It goes because all these fights happen in the middle of the day. I don't know why. And she clunks her way up the stairs <laughs> loudly, um, and you think yeah, you are not sneaky. <laughs> I mean, you might be plucky, but you are not stealthy. <laughs> and she basically spies on them. She just, I don't. I didn't write a lot because nothing really happened there. She's just looking at them, and nothing was really being established other than we're bad guys. We have cage fights and stuff. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, what a scoop!" Nothing, yeah, but, well, and runs off. For and what we know, she could have been like, "We're just saying plucky reporter because that's the trope we're leading on." She could have been like scoping talents for hair. Yeah underground fighting league yeah. she could have been like taking some really weird porno magazine pictures you don't know do you, <laughs> you know. they didn't tell us this show don't tell us is a nice little thing for people to say talking about movies but like you do well, kind of need to explain some things show to don't us. tell is fine but they didn't show us what she was doing that's the thing <laughs> they just they just showed her in like a philip marlowe outfit with a massive camera and said assume that we'd know she's a reporter which she may not have been as you pointed out but I don't. That's not an example of show don't tell. That's just an example of here's a trope and they just run with it. It's not a. But anyway, it looks. One of the henchmen comes out, looks looks the wrong way as she's run off, and then looks directly at her. Oh, main like, hench as well. Yeah, he's the, the main um, henchman. Which the baddies. It does. This does actually come up because he looks right at her, and I just thought that was funny to write down. Hi, he looks at her and then pretends like nothing happened. It turns out he's spoiler alert. He's a cop, anyway. So bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Right, but right, this is the thing. This is a actor that you will know internet as that <laughs> Fu Manchu Asian dude from all those movies in the eighties and nineties. He does Young. have an actual human yeah. name, but you know him as the the Fu Manchu guy. You you probably know him as Genghis Khan and Bill and Ted, or uh, the guy in Die Hard eating a crunch bar while. The, getting the rocket ready for the tank on the ground floor, which is a great scene because it's the first time I, <clears throat> first time anyone in this country saw a crunch bar, I'm like, oh, what's a, what's a crunch bar? That looks good. Then we're gonna get them, and it took like ten years, and we got crunch bars. Yeah, was that what crunchies are? Like, it's like a Nestle thing, not a crunchy, but it's like you know, it's got like chocolate on top and like like flaky bits in the bottom. And then, uh, okay, uh, that's not the point. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> check that out. That sounds fun. But, um, yeah, the, uh, he's a he's a great character. Well, I say character actor. He's not a great character actor. He's a guy who did stunts and like played the Asian guy who didn't say anything in loads of movies. But he talks all the time in this. He never yeah. shuts the fuck up. And he it, never gets to speak in a lot of movies so because he apparently he's a fucking American dude. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought he was just some Asian guy. They bust was... in to be in these movies, but like, no, I, I looked it up to see what. Like, how wrongly cast he was for this to see if he was like Korean or Chinese or something because they got everyone else in there and it just says like oh fucking Salt Lake City USA <laughs> it's like you parentheses, you oh, racist he, what are you expecting he is a crafty dude oh, I can't say crafty <laughs> he is a clever dude because it's like he's capitalising on the racism of the time going, boom you know, yeah. people are racist I can make some I'm, money I'm off gonna this I'm going to make some wedge yeah. yeah you know fair play to you him. know if it, fair it, play to it him sucks you're in a shitty it, situation it's, it's, make you know he's Sort of made a, made something out of it. 
it sucks that not he's a lot like of people can of, do that one of the three big Asian actors that I can think of like of all time <laughs> but there you go yeah he's he's pretty good actually as well he's a uh, even though with his broad American apple pie accent he's you know he does a good <laughs> job in this which actually plays because he's a cop anyway he's a yeah. become cop so the fact he's got a broad American accent just makes sense helps a little bit so it's a uh, it cuts to Guile um going through the wreckage of his bar and Marie Schneider <laughs> shows up because it I, I'm not even doing she that as exaggerated yeah she just pops up like it's like Guile it's me Marie Schneider like it's like that's a thing we're meant to know and he it has a very long shot of him like rushing out through the wreckage of his bar I say rushing out in like in a he, in, in he, he rushes out here. Red Brown style they say they linger the camera on him <laughs> climber his way through the wreckage for 10 minutes going, hold on hold on hold on but hold. the way it's shot it's like he's submerging from beneath the wreckage <laughs> it's like were you in there when that got burned down are you just coming out now anyway they hold a long shot of him climbing over this wreckage and slowly making his way towards the camera it just it lingers for a long time. Long enough for me to say, oh, let's just film all of this. This is great. Um, and she's like, oh, you still owe the bank money and you, you're underinsured for your bar, so you owe the bank more money. And he's like, here's about a thousand. Exactly. Again, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, this is probably enough. And then she goes, okay. Yeah. I'd love it if that's how money worked in real life. I love life. how that's how banks work. Hold a wad of something. It's like, here's about a thousand. Take it. Shove it down their throats and then walk off. There's three female characters in this movie with names and some lines and one of them wasn't even the main female and character and one of them dies in a second scene the other one's in one scene and the third one we don't know why she's in this movie <laughs> bizarre surreal bizarre oh, I skipped over a few notes there um, it's fine we, we don't need to then, do point then, for point um, Billy, uh, Billy, um, Billy. Guile goes out for a jog, and uh, Hen- Boss and Hench show up to Lou Ferrigno and say, "Hey, get in the car with us." And you know he's like, "Okay." So they they basically kidnap. They do kidnap Lou Ferrigno, but they kidnap him. Then they feed him a subway and a Pepsi, which you can see in huge letters. Matt's fine with kidnapping as long as you're victim's <laughs> yeah, fed. You know, I'm I'm fine with kidnapping as long as you don't do any fucking product placements in there. <laughs> Oh, um, poor Lou Ferrigno. But this, this is where. But he's a, he. I was. I remarked on this when we were watching it. He plays this part so well because Lou Ferrigno's deaf and he doesn't speak so good, <laughs> as he says, mm-hmm. ungrammatically correct. But um, and he, he so he he could just rely on that and just act like normal. But he fucking he commits to it. He really does a good job selling this whole like nice troubled, but also very scarily strong dude because <laughs> um, you have like a bit where he wants mustard and he's like uh, can I have some mustard and he's like get him some fucking mustard henchman and he just says oh that's not very nice and he's like oh fucking that's quite menacing but yeah he's, he does a really good job I, I this is I, I don't is think there he a nice a fucking Oscar for it or no, anything no no not, not an Oscar <laughs> yeah. but you know as it's this, it wasn't all this, terrible. All of this movie is just people doing the best they can with the stuff that's in front of them, which I I really admire. So, you know, it's not perfect. Well, it never nice. came together very well, but you know, it's people working hard, doing a good job with what's in front of them. It's a, it's punk rock, you know, in a nice kind of way. Oh, please don't tarnish punk rock by attaching it to this movie. <laughs> it's had a hard enough time as it is. Well, it cuts to a shot of um, 
now we can rip on the movie a bit because it cuts to a shot of um, Guile at a police station and it makes sure that you see all of the police station. You understand this is a building. It's a huge tracking shot from the ground upwards. It just goes on yeah, it's and just, on It's just and using up time of the movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very it's long shot now. of what is basically just an unimpressive Well, he goes in there and he's like, help me find me, mate. And they're and like, the he's like, not a kid. If it was a child, we'd help you. But if fact he's an adult, fuck you and die. Yeah. Essentially. But right, so uh, he's <clears> saying, well, what do I do next? What do I do? What do I do? And the cop's like, oh, I don't know. I don't just say, drink my coffee. And what's on his coffee mug? But the exact <laughs> same thing that was tattooed on the dude's arm. So, okay. You see that? Instantaneously, you think... So wait, the cops are part of the gang, and or did the gang get arrested once and see the cops mug and go, "That's a cool design, <laughs> man," and they get that tattooed on my that arm? Makes sense, but like, no, like, your head would should make the connection, like, "Oh shit, they're in this together." They're not. It's just, it's just very coincidentally, a, a thousands to one odds. He yeah. has the the mug. Now this his is bad mug. storytelling. This is bad storytelling. You can't his lie on fucking mug that he drinks in his job has the exact same tattoo as the guy that burned down Red Brown's bar and Red Brown goes, oh shit, I know that t- skull tattoo. I'm going to go look for the guy who's got that tattoo. I'm just going to run around LA going, have you got this skull tattoo? I'm not going to ask the guy who's drinking from the mug with this exact skull tattoo. Hang on, mate. This is way too cosmically, inconceptually, in- incoherently, unbelievably, what's the word I'm looking for? Randomly, perchancely connecting. I'll just let What's you going on here, Until I can point out that Red Brown plays Guile, by the way. In case you didn't get that. And Guile isn't the character's name. Guile isn't the character's name. Guile had some other name. I don't know what that was. But, um... Oh, it's fucking ridiculous. And yeah. then he goes on his taking on a rampage, but, but also, before he gets to the rampage, um, Plucky Reporter Girl's coming out of a Plucky Reporter oh, shop. Fucking Plucky Reporter And, uh, Al Leong, uh, the cop, uh, shows up and's like, Ah! I've got you now. And... Is like, oh, we'll take you back to our place. They abduct her in broad fucking daylight. Everything happens with in broad daylight fucking in this witnesses. movie. Like, people There's walking no past. no night scenes in She's this movie. She's being dragged off the street, screaming, while like people walk past on their way to work. I mean, someone's going to remark upon this. It's like, is that is this performance art? Should we call someone? <laughs> and people just don't even, they don't even look as she's walking, as she's being dragged off. So it cuts back to um, Guile slash Red Brown on his rampage. He gets a shotgun and he starts like, menacing these dudes at the bar at another bar and he's like oh you've got to you know tell us where your mate is otherwise I'll go nuts with this shotgun <laughs> and they're like no way and he's like well fuck you and just the fight scene happens um, big fight scene happens because none of these scary biker looking gang members have guns yeah you'd think it, it's weird Red Brown and his little rifle not not a shotgun not a fucking Uzi not like a, an M60 whatever America dick gun it's just like a fucking hunting rifle thing he, he refers to it as a shotgun it's not a shotgun though, is it? Is it? I think it is. It's a. Well, what like do a, I know? I, it's a I, my penis works fine. I don't need a gun. <laughs> but um, um, we gotta get our rips in there against America at some point in this. But um, yeah. So for some reason, the gang members don't have guns, but the upstanding American citizen <laughs> has, like, basically an arsenal. And on. he uses it because he shoots yeah. a dude. Because this is the tough streets of eighties LA. The, uh, he shoots the guy. Yeah, there's. He basically he doesn't kill anybody for a, for a little bit. You think, okay, he's just gonna menace them. And he beats the shit, but no, he, he, he fucking, punches a lady. 
he punches a lady. Yeah, there's a, what are you going to do? Shoot me? And she's what like, What are you going to no. do? <laughs> and she's like, no, fuck it. I'm going to punch a woman in the face. So he punches her in the face, drives off. And they show like, it's it's a dramatic car scene, mm. car chase scene. They show like the gang member jumping into a car and driving off. And then Red Brown slash Guile carefully getting in, uh, checking his wing mirrors, going back. You I'm know, getting angry now. Checking, I'm getting... Making sure there's space to move, gradually reversing. Making Ironically, sure he, I'm hulking up. Making right sure now. he cuts the wheel the right way, so wheels his way around and then taking off. Like a good five minutes of him backing out of a parking space, essentially. <laughs> and he just chases him down very slowly through the streets of LA because there's a lot of traffic in LA. Um, <clears throat> then they go to another place it's exactly like the place that they came from and he basically the dude he was chasing um, you know sort of gets off scot-free but a guy who's just there just sort of goes yeah what's going on wakes up gets fucking a buckshot in the chest and just he's dead he's just shot he, dead he very casually switches to full out murder mode yeah he just murders these people like um, and the dude who burned down the bar he's like he actually lights on fire and oh, he basically finally. shows a very long scene of this guy going, "Oh my god, just fucking kill me! It hurts so much." And he's just watches him Which burn is weird for a while. Because you know you never it's really a see j- that. Very jarring change of tone. Like even even I mean the murder's a bit like whoa, fucking hell, came out of nowhere. But it's eighties murder. But <laughs> this is just fucking gratuitous. Watching this, a Mexican band. This death. is this is Death Wish. This is like, like oh, we're we're just torturing people now. It's like, it's not about justice it is just like uh, dick hardening revenge you know that, that's yeah. why he's these movies were made fuck the 80s is basically what I'm saying let's carry on I'm, I'm but, getting angry but, but Liam, I want it to be Liam, over Liam the Matt, next Matt, scene Matt. the next scene the next scene though right it goes to the boss dude he's talking to the head of the cage which, fighting which, league which boss dude which ethnicity uh, is he is the only way <laughs> Tony the boss man Spanish engine. Okay. Yeah, he's, uh, he's just chatting to the uh, head of the fighting league and right Asian? right okay. right. guess he walks in the scene though at one minute <laughs> one minute one hour two minutes and 52 seconds who walks in looking who? very dapper who? in a suit okay. and a nice haircut Danny man. goddamn Trio Danny Trio walks in <laughs> in a fucking dapper fucking suit he looks suit. good he looks suave oh, doesn't he oh mate he, he walks in he, there he looks like a, a, an upstanding gentleman you'd let him take your daughter he walks out. in like and it, he'd have her back by 10 you assume that like he's just walked past everyone all the henchmen on the way and they're like fucking hell, like, he just real. commands not, the scene not even, not even gonna not even gonna hand, not even gonna threaten this dude even though my job is to threaten people it's fucking Danny Trio just he is billed as uncredited in this <laughs> and he doesn't have any lines presence, though, or do anything in. I mean I don't even know if this because we're expecting it and looking forward to it but fucking hell he just walks in and your eyes are drawn to him he's just He's the he's the star of the fucking scene. <laughs> he's the star of the movie. And then Costello comes in. Um, the Costello, who's the head of the mafia, which is not really entirely explained very well. Oh yeah, we just start throwing characters in here yeah. now. Like one he's, hour, two he's minutes. He's basically in. Rodney Dangerfield. Like I tell you, I got no respect. But again, he's the boss of the boss. Yeah. And the boss of the boss is working with the boss of the fighting ring boss. So why do we need all these fucking characters? Got a lot of bosses. I mean. Was it trying to be realistic all... with the amount of bosses that people uh, have to answer to? They're all bad guys as well, but like at the same time, he gets to uh, like the hench for the boss of the underboss of the boss. It's just like starting to be a nice guy for some reason yeah. now as well. He's like, oh, it's a bit all arsed in this. And you're like, well, yeah, it is movie. I know. I've been watching. But during this whole but scene... Not, but it's not your job to point that out, dude. All these fucking 80s cartoon bullshit villains just flapping at each other just Flapping Costello is being racist as fuck to the Chinese ones 
and the Chinese ones are being like so stereotypically Asian it makes me makes my skin crawl and like um, you know the the guy with Tony the boss that we're meant to sympathise with a bit is just fucking flapping about and Danny Trejo's just fucking standing there like a wolf among sheep he's like <laughs> fucking let me act you Doric. cunt he's just uh, he's, he's biding his time I just wanted to see him just go no guys I'll handle this. You sit down. You sit down. I'll be all of the villains for the rest of the movie. It's fine. It's fine. You know, you'll still get paid. I'll ensure of it. But let me act. You know, just and he commands that. If, if only. If oh. only. Then it comes to um, they basically they make uh, Luferigno fight in the cage fight. Yes. They and they tell him it's wrestling and it's fun and stuff. And, and he gets the shit kicked out. Yeah. Like, this isn't fun. I don't like this. It's pretty. It's pretty mean. Yeah, mm. and he sort of snaps and goes, "Oh, you hurt me! I'm gonna hurt you!" And just pulverizes this chump. And he he gets a he gets a kick in, and they take him back. And um, the head of the fight the the head of the fighting ring is like, "No, you've got to fight the champion in half an hour." So they you know he's got to go back to his room and rest because the uh, the <clears throat> they've told Lou like, "Oh, just do this fight, and we'll let you go." And you're thinking because they're the bad guys, oh, they're obviously lying. They're the bad guys, but they're not the bad guys. The bad guys are the ones that are put on the fight, so they're the under bad guys. So yeah. where are they gonna let him go? Like uh, the henchmen seem to think they were. Yeah, like, hench, I, I, hench. Like they got. They this got is this really is well. why you do need to tell me things yeah. because I don't fucking know. You need, to, you need to establish characters instead of throwing them at us. I think that's because uh, this throws a lot of characters at you. Think like I'm just saying like the boss of the boss of the underboss and stuff that, but these, that are, just, is how these are thrown at us yeah. and we don't have time to get attached to them the one sounds like we've got these danger fields that are still one going nowhere like, yeah one like basically one of the henchmen gets really pally with Lou Frigno and's like oh dude you know we're mates aren't we <laughs> you can get out there and do another fight can't you because you know that's my mate over there and he's going to be you know murdered if I don't send do you it for me Billy <laughs> do, do it for me McGonagall <laughs> have they got plucky reporter girl in Oh no! Captured oh. at this point. Yeah, yeah, she's been dragged off in broad daylight in front of witnesses. Yeah, so she's in like the waiting room. And, yeah, they, and, uh, they established they, that um, Ong Young is the cop. Genghis Khan's in like, there. Yeah. I know you. Yeah, I tell you, you showed me no respect at that golf <laughs> club. Oh, I oughta. And then like knees him in the box. Like, yeah, he's a cop. Uh, you better throw him in your dungeon in too. The brig. <laughs> the brig. They have a brig. They do nice have a brig. They have a dungeon in the fighting ring for some reason. Um. <clears throat> so also uh, Guile gets captured at some point and I went to the bathroom when he got captured I don't know how that happened he, uh, just, he was just in the dungeon with them and how did that happen yeah. <laughs> did, was I was watching sh- the movie and I don't know how that happened he he he, he was driving around he had his gun he, he punched knew where they people. were going to because he burnt, set that guy on fire I don't fuck. I don't think it fucking matters man. essentially Guile gets kidnapped with the rest of them somehow and is thrown in the dungeon with them and they get out with the right. old, that old uh, yeah. trick where they bend no. their clothes. Yeah, no, but yeah, though, but no. He's he they throw uh, they throw Guile in last, and it's like, what are you doing here? As I like, oh, like, what, how did you guys get captured? As opposed to, oh, hi, my name's Guile. I, yeah. I, I I've never met you guys before. What's your backstory? No, it's not. This is the perfect time where she could have said, "Oh, I'm doing an ex- expose on this, and you can help me out by being sources." Like, oh, I'm with the police. Uh, I'll back you all up on this. No, none of it. There's no. There's nothing in there apart from like, "What are you doing in here?" It's like, "Oh, we yeah. were captured." This comes Cut up two. again. Yeah, 
madness. Madness. Uh, this, this bit is bad storytelling. Up till now, well, with caveats, they were doing okay. But this is bad storytelling. Because they've, like, uh, obviously, Lou Ferrigno wins the both fights he's in and he gets a bit hurt, so he goes in and um, Guile and the Scooby gang break out <laughs> and they come to him oh are you okay Lou Ferrigno and he's like oh I can still fight and he's like no you can't you've been brutally beaten this is not cool and the head of the fighting ring who has never met any of these people except the two of them is like so you are all gathered here <laughs> you've never met any of them you have no ex- reason and to he threatens to kill away. every single one of them unless he fights again it's like you are running a bad fight in ring, oh, dude. dude. You can you can just call it a bad night and run another <laughs> set of fights the next day when you don't have Lou Ferrigno fighting there. You know, just recoup your losses that way. The same way every single bookmaker in the world does. So yeah, they're like, oh, I'll bet, you know, 250,000 on Guile to win. And the guy's like, how about 500,000? How about a million? How about a billion? <laughs> and they just have this, have you got it in cash? Yeah, I'll get it in cash so I can walk out of here in a giant briefcase and, and not get robbed. The only briefcase in the movie, thank you very much. Handled by none other than Danny Trejo. Excellent he thinks ahead. Work. He thinks ahead. Off. He thinks ahead and thinks, you know, my boss is basically a giant Rodney Dangerfield dick. I'm gonna make sure to carry a million dollars in briefcase money just in case. And it comes up. It's, it's you know. It's... Can we just address something here? The the Red Brown's getting in there with the the final boss, yeah. who's just some jabroni that you've who's never not been seen. Established. The thing is, like, he's the East Coast champ, though. The the, the East the Coast main, champ. The main the main fighting cage dude was the big the big Asian lad from the beginning, who by the way was Korean, and he he was in WE for a while as well. And again, it's just it's just a weird fucking point of like just chuck all the Asians in there doesn't matter if you get any I don't know if there anyone be, were any Vietnamese people in there and like a big point of this was like oh look at all these Vietnamese people making me fight oh I've turned the tables on them Vietnam Vietnam but anyway they, they, they were dressing up like wrestlers they were doing monkey tosses they were like it made a no lot sense. of hip but tosses in there you, you don't bring out like the main event is the main event you know what I mean yeah. in, in wrestling up, in movies yeah you don't build up like oh this guy's unbeatable have him get beaten very easily and then throw another guy the, at the, these at the are the end. words that I'm trying I mean, to say maybe yes. in a video game that would possibly work if you, you just have a better, like bigger last, challenge but, but even then the last know. guy wasn't even the most threatening they should have saved he was just like a scrawny white dude as well. he, he, like, he was like classic WWF 80s jobber that you'd, yeah. you'd see fucking uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan just do in in two minutes like well, you, they should have saved the scary looking Asian dude for the last one or the guy that Reb that Lufrigno killed who was like cut to bits and wearing like wrestling tights for some reason even him he looked like he could handle himself it's just ah. you're forgetting you're forgetting one thing though that guy at the end he was the east coast champ he was the east coast he that's, that's have, the only characterization he, he didn't have a belt he gets, or anything no, like, like, he's the east coast he champ he should have come out with a belt over his despite shoulder despite the fact the that they're in style. LA and that means they're on the west coast for some reason <laughs> they bring in the east coast champ so, you know, who's just happens to be there okay the this could be like an un, like a, there's like a proper ring of these things and that uh, plucky reporter is just like a, a sports reporter or something yeah. and she's taking pictures for the underground fight magazine like Hunter S. Thompson but not as good as, as an investigative reporter and really really on drugs Hunter S. Thompson as a plucky reporter that's what he did that's the entire plot he was of, plucky um, I guess I, I guess the entire the plot of um, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas he's meant to cover a sporting event and decides to get fucking mashed on drugs instead good guy so is that the end of the movie? <laughs> 
Yeah, they, um, Guile wins the fight. The Sonic booms the other, the East Coast champion through the ring. We never find out <laughs> what the plucky reporter was yeah. reporting. And uh, the, the head- biggest right. Shut off, Matt. Right, <laughs> the, the biggest fucking thing. Right, okay. Shut off, right. So, yeah. <laughs> The, the boys in blue storm the gates yeah, at the, the end. Yeah, the first we've seen the at cops the very, at this point. very, very end where there's nothing left for them to do. Fucking typical filth, right? They get in there. Uh, Yamanda Genghis Khan's like, oh, what do we do with all this money that we found? <laughs> hey, you guys need some money, don't you? Go on, take that. Yeah. I'm not arsed, mate. Yeah. It'll save me doing the paperwork if you just take <laughs> so, this money. So and many felonies. She is. And then they go, and that's it. Yeah. And that's the end. Then it goes back to the bar, and you think, oh, we're going to have the nice, uh, you know, everything's established back to normal scene. It's like, no, we're just going to roll credits. And we're uh, gonna roll play credits again. over Billy's bar. Who's <sighs> rigged those character's name? But yeah, um, it runs over, rolls the credits, roll over the bar. and. Yeah. I mean, it. The bits of it that infuriated me infuriated me, but they were spaced that far apart yeah. that the whole movie didn't have me up on ends. You know, there was I mean? a lot of they made some good choices and some fucking woeful choices in this. It was it was not what I would call a bad movie, but I watched it. I was like, I was I, I wasn't like, yelling at the screen that much. It, I was prepared to be kind to it after so much Bronson, to be fair, but um, I didn't think it was too bad. It. They're, they're, the way they handle the relationship between Guile and Luke Rigno is quite touching even with some terrible fucking cry acting midway hmm. through which we never the, yeah, yeah. touched on there was a scene where two of them were crying together yeah. they were doing it on a weight bench as well so it was very masculine and they were not acting very well <laughs> and this whole movie like, had such lofty ideas that it did not reach and plot that was there in one draft that got taken out yeah. and then never uh, fucking made sense of I don't know this, but at the end as well where Red Brown's got his arm around plucky reporter girl like to yeah. establish like oh that's the relationship now is it <laughs> it's like they've been smashed together and you're the only girl in this movie I am also some guile smashing so. together that was gonna go on yeah <laughs> Red Brown I don't think how, I don't know how he could have made love to her with that camera in her pants though to be fair that was, a, that was an enormous camera that's a problem to get around Red Brown married one of the girls with big hair from Space Mutiny Space Mutiny is a great movie watch Space Mutiny oh, it's not Robo War but watch Robo War Robo War is the, the uh, gold standard of Red Brown mm. movies you gotta watch that I don't know there's a lot in there You know, two Captain America movies and fucking um... he made two Captain America oh, yeah, movies man, there's two Captain America two movies two of them Christopher Lee is in the second one Christopher Lee was slumming it <laughs> <laughs> trying to make some money man so grudge anyone doing a bad movie to make money to be fair that's you know that's what we're here for <laughs> Danny Trio's entire career has made a, a guy doing bad movies to make money with some gems along the way mind you thank you so uh, good bad movie I think it was okay passable yeah it was never gonna be like a mainstream Hollywood release or anything but it, it wasn't had, a surprise it had gem. some stuff that was good but enough of it that's just quite woeful. Again, nothing that you say like, "Oh, go watch that." But like, if it's on, yeah, I like think it. I'm desensitized to shit. And like, <laughs> I think I just like see the shit stuff. Like, ah, oh, he's doing his best. And we're only like fucking seven. Compared as well. to, no, we have got a career of watching this shit <laughs> under our belts. Though, this is us one. now. This is yeah. our lives. <laughs> what we do. One one scratch in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think I'm just like desensitized to the shit. I'm like, yeah, is you know, it's it's shitly made. What are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. What are you gonna do? Is <laughs> yeah. this the fucking? He did his thing. best. 
Some people made some money off this, I'm guessing. Couldn't call it a Danny Trio movie, though, could you? Uh, he's there for a bit. He's the one who makes the most sensible choices out of all of the characters, but, you know, he's not named as a mm. character. Actually, no, at one point they do say, Danny, give me the briefcase. So he's named after himself. They literally couldn't be bothered to I give him a name. It, was it definitely him, though? Because it is uncredited there. The, if it's a name, that means he gets bump and pay. So they, he would have fought for that. They definitely say, Danny, give me the briefcase at one point. Uh, okay, so wouldn't call it a, a Danny Trejo movie. Machetes. And... I say three. Ooh, three out of five. Three out of five. That's very what's generous. The, what's the one I've given the most to at this point? Uh, uh, I don't know. Have we watched these all back to know which one like the best? Because that, that, that didn't, didn't think that was... I'm not never, never going to watch that movie again. But it's, uh, <laughs> it held my attention. It was entertaining. Um, the bits... Some are good acting. Red Brown, bless his heart. He did his best. <laughs> seems some like a nice shit, guy. Some shit storytelling. <laughs> Terrible what he does, but seems like But a nice there's guy. also some good choices with the show don't tell stuff at the beginning, so... Penitentiary's been my favourite so far. Midnight Thump. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That still had its problems, though. Yeah, oh, God, yeah, but it, it was enjoyable, his shit. This, this, yeah, it, this, it's... it wasn't shit enough to be a shit movie, yeah, I think, yeah. as well. So, let's wrap this up. And let's discuss what we're going to next week, which is a fucking David Hasselhoff movie. Yes, <sighs> I thought that was who it was. WB, Blue and the Bean. Hmm. Is Same Mr. Here. Bean involved in this? Because that would be great. <laughs> a trio, oh, uh, 1989, yeah. A trio of helpless bounty hunters are recruited by a shady bail bondsman. Isn't a bail bondsman a bounty hunter? It's not the same thing. And the bail bondsman's the guy who sits behind the desk and tells the bounty hunters what to do. Yeah, but Dog do. does the desk job as well, doesn't he? I guess so. Yeah, he must do. Yeah, because and uh, Dog Jackie... the bounty hunter for you kids out there who were unfortunate enough to grow up in a time without Dog the bounty hunter. And Robert Foster plays the the bail bondsman in Jackie Brown, and he's basically a bounty hunter slash yeah, yeah. guy behind the desk. Anyway, a uh, shady bail bondsman to try and keep a witness in drug trial a lot in a drug trial. I'll keep a witness in drug trial. Oh my god, that's that's not me. That's a spell mistake on IMDb. <laughs> IMDb fail. To to try keep to try to keep a witness in drug trial alive to testify. Bail bondsmen do a release of escape prisoner. That's possible weird. possible excitement Can we happen. Sue someone over that? Yeah, uh, okay. take him to court. Find the lawyers who are in uh, this movie we just watched. Danny Trejo's not in the top. That's not a good sign. Um, has he got credit? Has he got a name? Woofer. Um, he's going to be yes. a 